Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well today. Now, before we kick off the rest of this interview, I just need to let you know that the person I'm interviewing is one of my most memorable high school teachers, Mr. Walker. Why did I choose my high school teacher to, you know, interview? Well, it's because he saw me at a time where I was a really young scholar and I was just trying to find my way through education, even before I started community college. And Mr. Walker has always been such an inspiration to me because during the time he was one of my teachers, he was studying for his master's degree at night and he was working as a Uh, you know, my teacher during the regular school day hours. And that is true hustle. And not only that, but he served as a great mentor for me at that time. Even though at that age, I did not know what mentor even meant. I just knew that he saw a spark in me as a student. And I'm just grateful for the experiences I had in his classroom, the way he inspired me, and the type of educator he chooses to be for all young minds in order to give them the confidence and the skills needed to succeed once they are at the college level. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this interview and stay tuned. Low, low. You told me you're going to get emotional, and just my introduction got me emotional. So, <laughs> no, that's true. So basically, before we even started recording, everyone, um, I because I could feel it in my eyes. It's just I don't know if it's going to come out during the episode or at the yeah. end. But I told Mr. Walker that if I start to cry or anything, it's normal. I just get very emotional when it comes to education and the path I was given by God, the universe, who knows what, because yeah. I don't know, just in my path, I met so many amazing people just like Mr. Walker. And I'm just so excited for like, for him just to talk about everything that we were again talking about. And like, I would kind of call it like our coffee chat setting before the actual interview. So there's all that. Now, why don't you tell us a little more about yourself, Mr. Walker? Um, I don't even know where to start because it's hard for me to introduce myself. I'm bad at that kind of stuff. Um, I'm a 36-year-old white male with lots of privilege. I've learned quite a bit in the last three months, and, and having listened to some of your, your podcasts, um, it's confirmed more of that, and I think that's important to note. So of all of my struggles that I'll share today, um, one of them was not my skin color. That's for dang sure. So um, something to, to say and to recognize and, and to know that I'm educating myself with that as much as possible. But Uh, I'm a teacher at a uh, high school in Anaheim. I've been there for about 12 years, actually my alma mater, which is something I didn't anticipate going back to the high school I taught at. Uh, high school, maybe I, I didn't want to be in as a student much longer. Not because of the school, I was just over it for a period of time. Um, I'm a father of two, a husband. Um, I don't know. I did those out of order, by the way, totally. I would say father, husband, teacher. But I think I was thinking about sort of the emphasis of what you wanted to ask me about today. So That's me in a nutshell. Not a very interesting introduction. Uh -huh. <laughs> Everything that has been going through his mind and with all his history, it's 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 worth telling. Now, real quick before we start, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. Aren't isn't your wife Latina? She is, yeah. So that's yeah, like I definitely do remember that from high school. So I feel like not just from the podcast, but I'm assuming she has shared stories of the way she's grown up as well, right? Absolutely. We talk about it on a daily basis, the difference between our parents, um, uh, you know, what we saw as kids, where we spent vacations, um, words that we used for different items around the house, Spanish I know versus Spanish she knows. I mean, it's a mixture. And, and the beauty of all that is that our parenting styles are still very similar, despite the fact we were raised differently in, in different um, areas. You know, she was in Santa Ana, I was in Anaheim. Um, our parents made different amounts of money. She had Six other siblings, I only had one. I mean, there's so many differences there. And, and the beauty of that has been, you know, created with two kids. And my hope is they'll be more well-rounded, open-minded individuals as a result of all of it. So that's the goal, at least. We're, we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. And I think that's also being married to an incredible woman like that. I feel that has also helped with your growth mindset overall to be aware of the challenges that Latinx and other minority students do face. And yeah. I sat 
everyone I sat in is senior year class 2012, 2013. And I could just tell that I'm like, yeah, he may be white, but I just feel like he gets me. I feel like he gets all of us, you know? So it's like, yeah. Now, before we continue on with like everything going on, I did want to let you all know that, um, sorry, I just blinked. By the way, it's really normal when I do blink. <laughs> well, you got a lot going on. You're trying to keep all organized. I get it. <laughs> now, so uh, let me start again. Now, I want to go ahead and get right into the juicy stuff. So I want to ask you, Mr. Walker, what inspires you? Did you ever imagine yourself teaching at a school with a huge minority population? That's uh, it's like two questions in one. I got to think how to, how to <laughs> approach that. What inspired me to teach, I'm guessing, is what you're asking about? Or just in general, what inspires me? Let's start off with what inspires you to teach and then uh, make your way down. <laughs> Uh, the inspiration to teach came, um, I think maybe my sophomore year in college, I was a computer science, um, major and I was working at a, um, a software manufacturing company in Irvine for about two or three years. I think I feel like these stories turn into fish, fish stories. They get longer every single time I tell them, but, um, I really enjoyed the job initially because of, I felt like an adult and I was getting paid really well. And that seemed to have been making it to some degree. Like I felt like I did it. Um, but I wasn't very motivated by the work or the stuff I was learning in class. And this is not me hating on computer science work. What people do in that field is incredible. And, um, I could see why you get excited about it because you're creating something from code. That's awesome. Um, but something in me when I left work every day said that what I was doing was helping people and customers and my, my business to make more money. It just didn't make me feel very fulfilled personally. And I could see how other people could be, and I got no knock on that at all. But um, I had also been volunteering at the YMCA for about 10 years or so um, as a kid initially, and then going back and, and volunteering at summer camps. And um, the more I got involved in that, the more I, I loved it. It was just, it was the best thing ever. My summers were incredible because I'd meet kids. And through the course of a week, we'd make this incredible bond. And I, I did it every single year. Every year I thought, I, this is not going to be the, these kids are going to think I'm an idiot and I'm not going to connect. And it just kept working and something in me, I built my confidence. And so um, not really on a whim, I'm not really a whim person, but through some support from other people, I, I quit my job and uh, changed my major in the middle of a math class that I was just like, I'm done. This is it. It's time. And switched from computer science to uh, history because that was the, the class I did really well in and I was really interested in. And um, got a job as an instructional assistant for special ed students uh, at a high school in the district that I went to school in and um, just said, Hey, I'm going to get as close to this as I can and, and think about how I can learn before I do and um, ask as many questions, see as many things as I can and be more prepared. And so the inspiration really for me as a teacher was to try to impact people's lives in a positive way. And if that's a conversation, a hello, a good morning, a two hour conversation after class, when I thought I was going to go home and here we are talking about somebody's entire life, I just never know what it's going to be. And, and uh, I just want to be there. Honestly, I think that's the number one thing. If I want to whittle this all down, I just want to be there for some students who sometimes don't have anybody there for them. Um, and that kind of leads into your secondary question. I, I've thought about this for a while now and I, it's going to come off like I'm saying I'm colorblind, which I know is a stupid thing to say because it's not true. I went into teaching like I'm going to teach kids. It was never like, I'm going to teach minority kids or that was my goal. I'm just going to teach kids. And whatever kids they put in front of me were the kids I was going to teach. Um, but I got a job in, in Anaheim and, and at a school that's predominantly, um, you know, Latino, Hispanic, Chicano. It's just a mixture, but that's really what I think we're at 78%. And that's what it was. But I grew up in that area, so it wasn't that far-fetched for me. It, was, it looked the same as when, it, when I went to school there, so... But I recognized that I needed to find a way to, to bridge that gap culturally because it's known. Nobody wants to talk about it until I don't know, the last six months, I guess. But um, it needed to be said. So I always made jokes about it at the beginning of the year about like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the white guy and I love your culture and I want to learn your language and I love your food and I'm in love with the woman that's coming from your culture. And I, I don't know, it just... So naturally that bond starts to happen. And for you to say that it's like the greatest um, compliment to hear, because I feel like if we can connect culturally, um, then all the other nonsense I'm going to talk to you about with government and economics is going to hit a little bit better, I think, because you trust me and, and you feel like we're connected and 
and that I care about you and that I'm there for you. I, I think those are the biggest things. Those are a really long answer. I'm sorry. No, I love it. And honestly, everything that you said, except for the regards of like, you know, being white, because I'm not white, obviously, um, that's kind of the direction I took with my personal statement to get into the credential education program I'm in now, in the sense where it's just like, I want to connect with these kids emotionally because when these kids feel accepted they feel like an adult cares about them especially when there's so many challenges that come from a latinx household Mm -hmm. then they want to learn then they're more eager to come to class and that's how it felt like for me when i was in your class because i'm not gonna lie i did have we're not gonna get into too much detail about it for this (laughs) episode but i did have many challenges where i believe it or not guys i was not the greatest student grade wise. Like, I mean, I never got in trouble. I mean, I never, I never did not turn in homework. I always turned in homework, but I never put in that extra effort as a high school student to study for my exams because everything at home was just. (laughs) So the last thing on my mind was that. So um, that's why, like, even though it's just hard there, but still being able to come to your class and just hear your knowledge, which, by the way, I don't know how I graduated from your um, classroom with an A minus. I still remember I got that grade in your class. Maybe I wasn't that bad at the exams. I don't know. But I do know I turned in all the work. (laughs) Anyway, so that like just having teachers that you can connect with to that level meant a lot. Also, mm-hmm. another side note, when I was actually in his class, I always used to tell Mr. Walker, call me star. <laughs> he does not remember this, but I do. I totally do. <laughs> oh, you do. Perfect. Okay. Sure. So he, I would always tell him, call me star, but he would always insist, obviously politely because he is a teacher, you know, he would insist be called Estrella, whatever. And then finally, I think maybe he was just tired from all the reading he had to do with his master's program, which we're about to get into. But one day I was like, no, Mr. Walker, I'm sorry. He's like, gosh, you have such a beautiful name. Why don't you just get called Estrella? Years later, what is the title of my podcast? (laughs) My freaking name. All right. Now, transitioning from that and mentioning how Mr. Walker just had his eyes always so tired. Let's jump into (laughs) you teaching my senior year while doing your master's program at night. How was that? It was crazy. And, And to rewind for a second, I think the importance of your name is something I, I struggle with today. As I'm looking at students' names, there's some difficult names that are in there. And I ask the kids online now, you know, can you get on mic real quick and pronounce your name for me? And they're like, it's fine. Just call me this. And I'm like, it's not fine. You have this beautiful name that's connected to who you are as a person and to who you are culturally. And you've given up on it because your white teacher, you believe, is not going to be able to pronounce it correctly. And you're sick of even trying. And I feel like that's such a cop-out for me as a teacher. Be like, I can't say it. So we're just not going to call you by your God-given name. Like, it's just wrong. It's not okay. And if I'm going to sit here and say, hey, I care about you and I'm going to connect with you, but your name, I can't do. It just doesn't work. So, you know, ultimately, I would call you whatever you genuinely wanted to be called. But I think we surfaced that you chose Star because you just gotten sick of everybody mispronouncing your name. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I, I just think it's so important. That cultural piece is so important. It says the guy whose name is Kyle. You know, like, <laughs> there's a culture there. Um, anyways, the master's program... I don't even think I planned it out that way. Honestly, I didn't expect to get a job after I'd finished my credential and um, it just kind of fell into my lap in regards to, we talked about this a little bit before, like I had gotten into some problems with Cal State Fullerton. I didn't accept me for my credential program because of some paperwork mishaps. I tried to fix it. Uh, I had a really bad um, discussion with the head advisor there where I basically said, I'm I'm done. I don't want to be here anyways. Um, and I went to Long Beach State and got completely uh, welcomed with open arms. Um, they told me, you know, let's let's make this happen. And, and I got to the point where I just believed so hard that I was going to become a teacher that it didn't matter. You know, I'd go anywhere. And I think I remember telling the guy on the phone, like, I'm going to become a teacher. It's going to happen. Do you want me to do it under, you know, black and yellow at Long Beach? Or I'm going to go find some other place. Because I'm, I'm like that determined. I had such a tunnel vision for it. Um, and so once I finished, um, my credential, I was long-term subbing at the school I'm teaching now. And, um, my mentor there, the department chair came and just said, Hey, this position opened up. It's kind of weird. It's not full time, but it might turn into full time. And I, you probably don't want it, you know, but 
maybe you should. I'm like, a job? Like, are you kidding me? I'm going to take it. I'm all about it. So I had started that right out of the gates, and I had just applied and got accepted to the master's program at Cal State Fullerton, and I had just met this girl who would later become my wife all at the exact same time. And I remember telling her very clearly, like, hey, I, a lot's going on right now. If you can hang with me for a couple of years, if I, you know, if this connects well, it's going to work out. If not, I get it. Let me pay for your dinner and we'll, we'll go move on. You know, we'll be good friends. And, and, you know, looking back now, it worked out really, really well. But um, there was definitely a lot of sacrifice that needs to be had in that. Um, and I'm fortunate enough and privileged enough to have uh, uh, parents who support the hell out of me, despite never having gone to college themselves. And, and master's programs, they'd never even sniff that. I mean, it was never going to happen. Um, and, and they supported me financially with my bachelor's degree and then my master's. Uh, I think that it was just time for me to take over as an adult. And I did. And, and I'm still paying that back. And I think I'll be done very soon, which is going to be an amazing burden lifted off my shoulders. But um, it was definitely crazy trying to teach two or three sections in, you know, in the morning and in the day. And then you, know, you do the best you can to hang out after school to answer kids' questions, but, you know, school gets out at 2.37. I have to be 25 minutes away, plus parking disasters, up a couple flights of stairs at 4. You know, you take your 4 to 6.45 class, your 7 to 9.45 class, and then you're home. And that, you know, that's three nights a week or whatever. But sometimes you got to, you know, you're grading or writing a paper or reading or you're at the library, and it's just, it gets out of control. But um, what I had told myself and what I've told other people in the past is that I just had to get to the point where it was like everything was about school. Nothing else mattered. Nothing else was that important. Um, and that sounds really tough and, and heartless. And it, and it kind of is. Uh, you just get to that primary focus level where that's the only thing that you want to do because you believe in the thing that you're getting to, which eventually would be teaching. And um and that's it. Every decision that I made was about, is this going to help me or hurt me? And if it's going to hurt, then I, I don't want nothing to do with it. Uh, and that made, that made it tough to have a relationship too, because your every weekend is supposed to be your time off. And in reality, your weekend really was to try to catch up because you're so behind all week in both work and in school. So the weekend became catch up time. And I get calls from my now wife, like, what are we doing this weekend? I'm like, nothing. I, I can't come out. I got to stay home and work. And so it was tough. It was definitely hard, but um, like so many other things in life, it's temporal. Um, the master's program for me took three years and it was really, really hard. Um, and at the end of it, it was incredible. And I, I look back on it and now it's a blip on my radar. At the time, it seemed like the most terrible thing in the world. Like, who, how dare so many people put so much responsibility on my, that I chose to do, right? Like, and you look back and realize how privileged that you are to be able to go to a university, to, um, to be able to pay for it. Um, to have a home to go to, to have food on the table every single day, to have a woman that supports you or a man that supports you, whoever, um, have a job amidst all that to be able to afford. I mean, I don't know. really damn lucky, basically, is how it works out. But for some reason with life, it's good that it happened that way for you because, again, sure. you've been able to inspire and empower so many students, just like myself, mm -hmm. just like Matthew Aragami, who's by the way, just graduated from Columbia. Your, oh, his dang. his episode's going to be up before this one. And we were all literally just sitting in your class. I don't know sure. if you remember one of my friends there at the time. Her name's Andrea. She also just finished not too long ago working full-time as an engineer. Like, every sacrifice you made, yes, you may feel like I was completely privileged, which, by the way, I'm really glad that you do acknowledge it because everyone mm -hmm. has privilege. Even I have sure. privilege down to, like, the fact that I'm a light-skinned Latina, so mm. I can get away with more things than, like, <laughs> an Afro-Latina. You know what I mean? Sure, so everyone absolutely. has it. However, yeah. it's just how you apply that privilege to positively, positively empower and help the lives of others. And thankfully, you're inspiring till this day um, Latinx minority students in your classroom, in your little classroom in Anaheim. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And I, I, you know, you never know what you say or what you do that's going to affect people positively or negatively. And I'm sure you could find somebody else that went through the exact same thing I did in terms of master's programs and work, um, who had to struggle with more because of their ethnicity and, um, you know, where they came from and what they did. And, and they figured out a way to do it too. And that's, I think that's why I believe so strongly in all of my students that if they just want it bad enough, they can overcome any challenge. It's just going to be harder for them than it was for me in some respects. Um, but it's possible, you know, to hear about engineers and people going off and working for Google and 
uh, there's a kid right now that works at SpaceX. I mean, it's just beyond my mental capacity to even handle that. I, you know, I couldn't even work the front desk at some of these places and then they're, they're killing it. It's just, it's amazing. Um, and high school is at a weird time in your life where you're just not, a lot of people don't really know what they're going to do next. And I understand that and embrace that. And I'm by no means a big fan of the everybody must go to college thing. It's not for everyone. Um, it's really a, like a relationship and the respect that you have to make a commitment to. And if you're not ready for it, then you shouldn't do it um, because not everybody should go to college. It's not for everyone. It's not for the elite or it shouldn't be for the elite. I should say that because it's kind of become that way because of money and access and so many other things. Um, it should be for people that want to go. And as a society, we should find a way to support people that want to go and take it seriously instead of a bunch of goofballs that drop out their freshman year. Um, but we also need people to work with their hands. Um, and we need to value that more too. Um, you don't value your plumber until all your stuff's backed up and not working. Then all of a sudden he's the most amazing man or woman that's out there because they're fixing something and you're willing to pay whatever you got to pay at that point. And they make incredible, um, careers out of it. Electricians, welders. I mean, why this went out of, out of, um, the limelight many, many years ago for someone that doesn't pine too much for the past. I'm a little more progressive than I should be, but there's certain things about the past that were good where people just learn how to work with their hands. And when you look at the school I, I'm at, and we're very tech forward, which is great. Kids should know how to use technology, but um, outside of auto, auto, which is very successful at our school, um, we don't really have any other trades. And that bums me out because there's a lot of jobs looking for a lot of kids um, that just don't have the skill set. You know, I, don't, I can hand a kid a, a screwdriver. I don't even know if he's going to use it. And that's unfortunate. Um, so anyways, there's a long way to go with it. And there's a lot I still want to do. And, um, I'm super hungry and, and really want to try to adapt the best I possibly can as a teacher. So, No, of course. And real quick side note, would you believe sure. if I told you I remember that exact statement you told me at 17 years old? About college? Not just about college, but how we need to also appreciate plumbers. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate when somebody comes and observes me in class because I tell the same stories over and over. And you never feel that fake as a teacher when you're the only one there because nobody knows what you just said 15 minutes ago. But when somebody's there for multiple periods, it's like, oh, my God, this is so funny. I really just told this joke in the same way at this exact same time 15, 20 minutes ago. It's terrible. But, yeah, I believe it. I'm already becoming that grandpa that tells the same stories over and over. Oh my gosh. You're not even a grandpa. No, you're only what? 36? No, no. I just mean like in that, that personality. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm young and I feel young and yeah, I'm not. You're just do. ready to keep empowering others and see, it's just so crazy. Like you said, there's another student that's at SpaceX, you said, and you're just like, I'm just a history teacher. How did sure. I help educate this person? It's just crazy. And that's why I just yeah. have so much I just love education so much. I don't even know how much other way to put it now, because we are still talking about like your role as a teacher and your beliefs behind it, which again is to like connect with your students to then give sure. them the best learning experience possible. I actually wanted to bring up the fact, which again, like everything in life is just so crazy. So yesterday I took all my finals for my summer session um, grad level courses. Mm -hmm. Now, um, one of the requirements I had to do like an extra credit requirement, cause you can never be too safe was to watch this movie called, well, documentary called waiting for Superman. Now in this documentary, which it was crazy. Cause I watched last night, it had mentioned that one in every 2,500 teachers get their teaching credential taken away. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy to think about because it's like, so it's very rare for teachers to get their teaching credentials taken away. However, so many people are like getting concerned that our public education system is pretty much turned. Mm -hmm. So are, is there like a reason as to why? I don't know. Do you kind of get where I'm going with this question? I totally do. Yeah. Um, my knowledge base is, is limited to some degree about how that all works. I have an opinion about it, and, and that's really, I'll just say that it's an opinion. And it's not super fact-based in the sense that I haven't done a ton of research on it. I haven't even seen that documentary before, so I'm really speaking from a great spot here. But um, that doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't. Um, I've worked on the same campus my entire career, but obviously I've seen teachers in other places in my own educational uh, career or, or not career, but like coming up into through college and high school and stuff like that. And um, nobody wants to say it, but there's some bad people out there. They're just not good at what they do. Um, and, and I'm not here to tell you that I'm the greatest either. I've got a lot of places to grow. 
Um, if somebody asked me what my strength was, I'd say it's my rapport with my students. Um, could my lesson planning get better? Sure. Could my classroom management get Absolutely. Um, but my rapport is something I would, I would stake, you know, my entire career on is that part of it. Um, but there's people out there that are incredibly intelligent human beings that just do not know how to connect with the human beings that they have in their class, uh, either because of age or gender or ethnicity, or some people are, are, I get so sick of the kids these days statement. It's like, okay, well, kids are different now. They look different. They act different. They, they learn differently. Um, the odd part to me is that I don't know in a lot of public schools, we're not teaching very much different than we did back in the day. Um, and, and, but we're not getting good results, but we're not changing anything. And the credential thing to me is kind of a trip because, um, you know, when I was coming up, I, I heard that tenure was where it was at. And I genuinely thought tenure meant that after 10 years of teaching that you were, you were safe. And I thought, well, it makes sense. 10 years is a, it's a commitment you're in. You've learned quite a bit. I didn't recognize that it was like the Latin term tenure, like to hold something or in Spanish, like a ten, what is it? TNS? Well, that's mm-hmm, I think conjugated so. form. Um, but anyways, like to hold, like to hold your job. And that was kind of foreign to me having come from corporate America first, where you're constantly being reviewed all the time and being told like you're great or you're terrible. And when you're terrible, you get a warning, then you get fired. And, and that's just accepted, you know? Um, same with sports. It's the same way. If you can't really compete at a specific level, then you get let go. You're not helping the team. You're not helping your business or whatever. And in teaching, it's not that way. And it kind of freaked me out because I liked having that fire under my butt that like, if I didn't come ready to go, then somebody would take my job. I liked that. So after three years, you get tenure and it's like, you're bulletproof to some degree. I mean, you really have to like accost the child or physically abuse them in some way for it to be immediate. You know, they, they cut people quick, like that'll mess around, but much less than that, you have to go through such a huge process and it gets so public and there's so much litigation and so much money. I think a lot of times districts just say, we're done. We're going to walk away from it. Now in teacher's defense, there's a, a gazillion variables that goes into teaching. You know, every kid is not the same. Um, we all get taught that we're supposed to make it so that it's applicable to every single student and that every student can access it. That's really hard to do. It's important to try, but it's really hard to do. Um, kids that come from different backgrounds and different homes and some kids just aren't interested, aren't going to do a damn thing for you. You know, I, I don't really know how I feel about merit-based pay. That just sounds too corrupt to me. Like something's going to go wrong with that, in my opinion, based on a little bit that I know. But to know that people are going to wait out their entire career or even said to me, you know, I got X amount of years left. I'm just waiting it out. I'm just going to screw around until I get there. Or, I've, you know, I've heard people say they're on active retirement. It's just like, you know, man, if you're the guy that goes and waters the, the lawn for somebody's house as like a side job thing, it's fine to kind of screw around or space out there. But you're dealing with people's lives, potentially. And some kids, they don't care. And, and more power to them. You know, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. They're going to crush your class and they're going to move on to greater things. But I just feel like there's this, I don't know, maybe they're in thirds. Kids that aren't going to do a damn thing. Kids that are kind of, hey, if you motivate me enough, I'll do something. And then kids are like, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And that middle third is the ones that I think I try to spend as much time on as I possibly can. And when I get lucky, I'll pull people from that third third. I don't want to call it a bottom third because I don't view it that way. But like, that third, third, like I'll pull some of them too, but it's like, that's, that's where you can really make your impact there is to get kids to recognize like, yeah, I'm your government teacher and I really care about it. And I think you should care about it too. But the why part I think is what's so important. Like I need them to agree with me on why it's so important. And before I can even get there and you touched on this before, like they need to believe that I care about them as a human, not just a student, like that it matters to me that you're here and that you're happy and that you feel cared about. And so when you show up to class and you look upset and I say, what's wrong? That generally brings waterworks. And then I feel guilty about doing it to him, but I'm not asking because it's just what you're supposed to ask somebody. I'm asking because I care and I want to know. And gosh, so many times when I've asked that question and we have that conversation, the next day this kid comes in, like, you know, you get taught in elementary school, like sit straight up and down with your finger. They're like, let's do this. Let's get into this content, man. And I don't do it. Like, oh, I know how to get this kid interested. I'm going to pretend like I care. And then I'm going to pull him into my con. You know, there's no, I think that's the part to go back to your original question. There's no incentive for me to get kids to like me. 
at all. Or there's no incentive for me to have them work really hard. I mean, when you look at somebody's grades, it's hard to tell if they're a good or bad teacher. It, all A's, all B's, a little bit in the middle. Is there a perfect bell curve? Like, there's a lot of science to it. And the problem with that science sometimes is that we're, we're talking about human beings and it's hard to nail them down. So in teacher's defense, it's hard to really go after everyone. I don't want it to become this witch hunty type thing. But then it also protects a lot of people who are just ridiculously lazy. And so for five or six years, you're going to go and you're going to work with five times 180 kids. I'm not a mathematician. That's a lot of damn kids. And one of those kids, you could change their entire life. You could be that one person to say that one thing or do that one thing or just answer a call or an Instagram message and say, I'm here. I got you still, you know, like that stuff is so important. And so it frustrates me that there's not that fire under us. Um, and there's other, you know, the union is extremely strong for the teaching profession, at least in California and about other states. Um, so they come to bat for you big time, which is wonderful when you need them. And if you're falsely accused of something or if, um, principal's not treating the right that's amazing the other side of it is they i think they sometimes protect people that shouldn't be protected and that frustrates me because of who we're working with you know what i mean mm -hmm. we made a couple of you know made a couple of bad hydroflasks big deal send them back we'll eat the cost and we'll send it back to you but we sent a couple of kids out feeling the same way they did about education as they did coming in like screw these teachers nobody cares about them they don't look like me they don't act like me they don't talk like me and they sure as hell don't care about me um, it's one person and it shouldn't be that like big of a deal. I, how would you get into teaching if that wasn't your primary focus? The students. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't understand. I mean, obviously the content drew me in, but it was the teaching the content to the students that I got so involved in. And then that's what was my initial thought. And then I got into it and I thought, man, I can learn as much as I want. And I try to, to be as knowledgeable about the topic as I can, but Really, they don't really care what I have to say about that kind of stuff. It, people pay way more attention. I'm talking about my time in school, um, my random motivational stuff, deals with life and, and how to handle just your everyday things. I mean, that, that's when people perk up. They're not sitting there remembering me telling them how many people are in Congress. And that'll come to them later when they really care. It's more about the being there and, and being supportive and being consistent. And honestly, I agree with you a hundred percent. And that's why, again, once I saw this documentary, I was like, I want to hear you like, of course it'd be opinion because at the end of the day, like we're not experts in like sure. the complete system of education. You know, we only can yeah. know so much now. Um, I agree with you that like just what you said that sure this student may not care about what's going on in Congress, but eventually they will. Mm -hmm. And that kind of happened to me. Like, I don't know. I just remember being in high school and junior high and I didn't, I liked education, but it's just, it hit me. It's like, as I got older and as I kept going to all these other schools, it's like things just slowly started to click, but they yeah. would just click on their own. I just think that's the best way to do it. Cause it's a lot to ask of an 18, 17 year old to already have an idea of what they want to do for the rest of their life. That's a lot to ask for. Yeah. So it was expected years ago. And I remember getting a hard time or hearing people get a hard time for not having a plan. And I just, uh, come on, cognitively, I, how are you going to handle all that? I think that's why people are having so many more issues with mental health, because as you start getting into your senior year, there's this huge expectation to like have your whole life figured out. And I know people that are, you know, twice my age is still like, I'm just making money. You know, I don't know really what I want to do or what motivates me. I just feel like it's such a terrible expectation on students. And somebody called me on this recently, a good friend of mine who's a um, um, director uh, of bands at our school kind of said, like, I really think we're doing kids a disservice because we keep telling them, like, in the real world, they're not going to put up with this. We're not going to. And, and there's some truth to that. But if I'm sitting there as a kid and keep hearing this, to me, then my interpretation is the real world sucks. This sounds terrible. I'm just going to get eaten up and spit out. And there, again, there's some truth to that. But why would anybody want to grow up and get out of school then if it sucks so much? Like, what are we all working for then? Like, what's, what's the point? You know, I don't mean to get super philosophical, but like, there's some great stuff about growing up. The responsibility and the stress are not fun, but then the freedom and the choice that you get from that is what it's all about, in my opinion. So I think we're selling uh, this awful bill to kids about like how uh, life's going to suck, it's going to be hard, and then you die. It's like, cool. Why am I here? What am I working so hard for then? You know, it's like, hey, man, you got some different tracks that you can take, and 
one of them is A, B, and C, and, and you can choose which way you want to go. One's going to be a little harder than the other one. One's going to be a little windier. You can figure it out for yourself. Let us give you some skills to get you there. Um, I just think that's such a key thing. That I think we're just, I don't know. I feel like we're doing a disservice to kids sometimes with that stuff about college and community colleges for losers and you're never going to get out of there and all this other stuff. It's just, what do, what do I gain from that as a teacher? No, of course. And I remember, not shade to anyone, but I do remember that when I was getting ready to graduate from Loera, I had a counselor. I didn't view it as a bad way because I knew I was going to try out community college at the time. But I remember I had a counselor, the way she presented it to me, she's like, you look like a community college student. What does that mean? Exactly. And by the way, you're like your transcripts look that way. Like, what does that mean? Anything, I guess. But like, I'm sure she meant well, but still, just like how you said, that could be a disservice for someone. Thankfully to me, I didn't take it negatively, but I did take it kind of like, wait, what? But I also know she probably meant well, you know, especially because like, there's just so many kids she has to like give their senior evaluations to but just to let you know at my community college which i will say irvine valley college that's (laughs) campus i got the most funding for all my research would get all my hotels paid for my flights my travel for all my research conferences that i did and when i transferred to my four-year i barely got funding for my senior thesis yeah no it's super different Mm-hmm. So I, there, no matter what on. campus you go to, I feel like you're gonna make you're gonna make it whatever you want it to be. You know, you can get an incredible education at IVC, and you can get a terrible one there. And you can go to Harvard and get an incredible education. You can also go there and screw around. Um, I just really feel like it, it's gonna be what you make of it, and the connections that you make with the professors that are there. Um, I don't know. The community college badge stick thing was is just garbage to me. I didn't go to one. Um, and it wasn't on purpose, but I remember feeling like that's where you're not supposed to go. That's what society taught my, my parents were just happy. I graduated from high school. So there was no pressure on me about where I had to go at all. They could care less, but, uh, there was definitely a stigma placed on where and why. Um, and I don't think it needs to be that way. I mean, your first two years are taking GEs anyways. And I don't say that because that's what everybody says. I say it because I feel like it's an exploration time academically to sit in a class with someone that is on another level than you are um, intellectually about their topic in particular. And, you know, there's some classes you sat and you said, Oh, this is cool. This is nice. This is fun. Other classes were boring. Other ones you were just like, tell me more. This is amazing. And then you knew like, okay, how do I then monetize this subject matter to get paid for it? Cause I love it. And that's what I want to make my life surrounded around. You know what I mean? Like what, what is that class? What's that teacher about? And, and I think that's, that's what college should be about. If that's what you want to do. You know, finding that subject matter in those first two years and say, cool, I really like science. What are science-based jobs that I might be able to go for? And then the college says, here's your options. Let us send you on a two-week internship to go do this thing. And you can go see it firsthand because I can tell you firsthand that when we got to the very last class in the teaching credential, which is your student teaching, um, we would come in once a week and talk about what we were experiencing in the classroom. At that point, I had already been in the classroom long-term subbing, not long-term subbing, sorry, I'd already been in the classroom as an instructional assistant for about four or five years. So I, I'd already seen it. It wasn't anything new. It wasn't anything different. I was just the guy on stage now. So that was new, but the ins and the outs, the kids telling you to F off. And I mean, that was, I'd seen it. I've been there. It was fine, but there's people in there crying. And I understand you get really emotional about it because you care. But I think that for some of these people, there was an a sort of like awakening period of like, whoa, this was not what I thought it was going to be. I really thought I was going to be like Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds. And if I just stuck to it, they'd all turn around. I'd change their lives. I don't know if Dangerous Minds is too old for you now. Maybe it's Freedom Riders or yeah, what's like Freedom another Riders. example of a movie that like the teacher changed. I mean, that's possible to happen, but you really got to stick it out and really be about it all the time. You know, you're, that's one of the things I noticed about changing jobs was like in corporate America, you can kind of space out a little bit and nobody notices because you're in a little cubicle and you're just clicking and making noises. If you really want to do it in the classroom, and I'm not saying people do it every single day, they stay there screwing around too. We just talked about that. You've got to be on the entire time, zero period through seventh period. You've got to be fired up. It's just got to happen. So I, it frustrates me, the college thing and the counselor thing. And I know they're doing their best because they're one for every 500 kids or something like that, which is obscene. It's obscene. 
No, yeah, definitely. And well, like you just mentioned, they're trying their best. Mm -hmm. Now, something I also did want to bring up, which goes back to that documentary I brought up in the first place. Um, there was a stigma that was mentioned and it was a stigma that, that they want, that the documentary really wanted to show that it needs to be put to a stop. And that mm -hmm. is that minority students can't make it in education mm -hmm. based on your experience and the type of district you're in right now. What do you think of that? Yeah. So my district is primarily, um, minority students, um, and some schools more than ours. I think we're like second or third on that list overall. Um, I have never seen anything or heard anything that would ever give me the inclination that that would be true at all. Um, what I've said earlier, I think is true is that there's definitely more for people of color that they're going to have to deal with than somebody like myself. Um, because while um, my graduating from high school was enough for my parents, they did want me to go to college, but if I didn't want to go, then I, I wouldn't go. My sister didn't go. No problem. You know, she found her way and she did her own thing. But, um, you know, I thought about dropping out at a point in time. My dad said, hey, that's fine. You know, we'll find you a job and you're going to get going and you're going to do your thing. So there's no pressure on me, just support. And I can't speak uh, for, for people of color and what their household's like. Um, you know, the I would say that the common thought process is that your parents didn't go to college too. And so, therefore, they don't know what to tell you or how to support you, even in, in earlier education, because maybe they came here really early in their life. And they only got an X amount of education themselves and they're doing the best they possibly can for you, which means that they're working, um, not everybody's favorite hours or multiple jobs. So when you're at home, you're alone. And I, that was never the case for me. There's always somebody there with me. Um, there's always somebody to look over my homework with me and tell me, Hey, C is not acceptable, man. You got to get after it. And I know that's not the case for everyone of color and, and otherwise. So I, I feel like. A, that statement's totally false. And I feel that way because I've had so many students of color come through my classroom and just say, I'm, I'm going to make it. Doesn't matter about my parents or the lack of money or the color of my skin or where I grew up or what my teachers like or don't like about me. I'm just going to do it. And, and I feel like that attitude is more important than anything else. And I'm not saying it fixes everything because it doesn't. Like I said, my track was quite a bit easier than other people's for a variety of reasons. Um, but I don't think there's anything about your skin color, language, or ethnicity um, that could hold you back. And, and a great example of that, I had a student X amount of years ago now. He spoke little to no English and he was in class and I could just see the facial expression like he's just trying to hang in there and get what he can get, you know. And, and I talked to him a little bit about what he was struggling with and he just you know, basically communicated, he couldn't understand anything I was saying. And I felt for him. And so there was two other students in class who spoke Spanish and English. And I said, Hey, I, I hate to put this on you. And this is terrible. But do you guys mind sitting with him and trying to help him out a little bit? It's not your responsibility. It's mine. It really is. But what's going to make life so much easier for him is to be able to have one person just to look back and say, what's going on? And to have you guys kind of work with them. Now, part of me feels terrible about that because now here I am white teacher saying, Hey, Mexican kids work with the other Mexican figure it out. You know, you guys got it. You're from the same place, right? Figure it out. I mean, I never would approach it that way, but I got to imagine it's got to feel that way for these poor girls because they probably have it happen to them in every damn class. Uh, and the reality as a teacher is we get taught only so much about um, EL students and the stuff I got taught when I started school and the stuff I got taught last year is pretty much the same stuff. And there's not a whole lot that you can do um, and, and all I can really do is sit and, and work on Rosetta Stone as much as I can so we can at least communicate. Now, two things I service from this. Number one is halfway through the year, this kid stopped coming to class. And I asked the girls, what happened? What's going on with this guy? And they said, you know, we tried to help him as much as we possibly could, and he didn't want it bad enough, so we stopped, and he stopped coming. And I said, oh, that's crazy. Um, how did you guys get to where you're at? Just out of curiosity, like, did you guys come here with English knowledge? Uh, I'm sorry, knowledge about the English language? Absolutely not. We came and somebody in our class took us under their wing and helped us out. And that's where we got to where we're at. So you want to talk about your people helping your people. That's what's going on. And they said, so somebody took us under their wing and they told us, I'll teach you, but you're going to have to do the work. I'm not doing any of the work for you. And she said, because we earned it, we have no problem helping other people that have the same problem that we do. But if they're not going to work for it, we're not going to help them. And I remember saying that to a Spanish-speaking teacher on our campus, not a Spanish teacher, but just a Spanish-speaking teacher, like, God, if I could just get a good hold of Spanish, 
I can help all these kids. You know, like that's speaking about waiting for Superman. Like that's my thought. Like I can help all the kids, you know, if I can just learn Spanish. I can help them all. And he said, Kyle, I, you know, I speak Spanish and I've got non English speaking kids in my class and they don't do anything either. So he's like, it's not, at least in his opinion, his observation, it wasn't about not having a, a handle of the language. Obviously that helps in other classes, but they had everything that they needed from me in terms of language immersion. And I give them, I explain anything that they wanted in Spanish. They still wouldn't do the work. And so for me, I feel like it, it really comes down to, do you want it bad enough? And, and are you willing to work past the obstacles you personally are going to have to face? And can you be okay with the fact that your best friend of X amount of years is not going to face the same things that you are and are not going to deal with the same things that you are? Can you deal with that mentally? Because as I know you're dealing with now after finals, it is such a mental game. Uh, it's tough. So yeah, I don't know. It is. That's my observation. It really is. And honestly, I give a lot of props to your wife, your now wife that stuck through it all with you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what she was thinking. I ask her all the time, like, what, what did, when did it click where you're like, this is the guy, like, I'm going to hang with him. And what was her like, answer? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She doesn't like talk about that kind of stuff, the mushy stuff, you know, it's, it goes into another topic of love languages and stuff like that. She's, I'm the, I say, and, and I'm more tactile. She's more service. Like I'm going to take care of the house and the family and the, and not in a gender role way. That's just where she feels like she can really show her love and, and, and she's incredible at it. I'd be useless without her. So um, it's interesting to see that because our very first date was that exactly like, yeah, I'm, I'm about school and my job right now. And that's an awful thing to say in a first date, but I want to be as transparent as I possibly can with you. And then we struggled with it a lot. We had a lot of conversations about like, is this going to work for us or not? And it, it, it was always an ultimatum on my side, which is awful, but I'd always say like, I have to finish this. I started it. I'm going to finish it. And either you're with me or you're not, you know, and I have no disrespect for you. If you're not, I get it. This is hard. And we're, we're commuting an hour each way to see each other once a week, sometimes once every two weeks. How do you, how do you have a relationship with that? It's just tough. You just really have to believe in yourself. So, and each other rather more than anything else. So. No, of course. And you two, you two are honestly a really good example of like, a couple that just stuck it through because not so long ago I was with someone that for four plus years, we were doing the same. Oh. Yeah. My, my co-host here. Okay, sweetheart. Keep going. I'm listening to you. No worries. I was literally with someone for like that is sound for about that many years. And same thing. It's just, we were like, we're going to do it, but this is how it is. X, Y, and Z first day. Yeah. I'm all about school and stuff. Sure. And it didn't work out. Yeah. as you can tell but that i don't think that should mean that like for others it won't you know yeah. someone's got to believe in you and, and believe in the same things that you believe and that's sometimes hard to do when you first meet somebody because you're like you're a stranger why do i have to care about your stuff you know um but i think if you put an effort in there and you give it a little bit of time you'll find out pretty quickly whether or not it's worth it and i said it already you know it's it's a temporal thing it's a three years is a lot i know in a relationship but I don't know. I guess when you know, you know, and everybody says that and it sounds so dumb. Like when you know, you know, does that even mean? Exactly. But you hey, it, it means something. Now, can you share a little bit about your co-hosts? <laughs> the whole fam is here now. Um, yeah. And this is, this is life teaching at home is that um, the whole family is a part of it at some point in time. And you're going to go around. Okay, cool. Um, is that you have to be okay with that and, and know that that's how it's going to work. And that's sort of something I'm learning about now as a teacher, when I'm in my own classroom, that's my sort of realm. You know, I, I have control over everything that's in there to some degree at home. Um, my kids control it, you know, and, and I'm not a not strict dad. I am, but you're sort of beholden to their emotions while you're trying to teach and I'm trying to listen. And then, she goes nuts about the bracelet that my son took from her. Some God only knows. And he just, you're trying to, I'm trying to be as professional as I can to be here for the kids while I'm also trying to be here. And that's the beauty of going to campus is I get to be a teacher only and hope that my kids are okay at home, you know, while I'm at there. But now I'm here in the midst of all of it. Um, it's, it's different and I'm learning about it. I don't have an answer for it and I'm not sure what the right way to do it is. It, it's going to happen this year. I'm going to figure it out. Um, but yeah, the kids are here and, um, it's interesting hearing from people that you're a great teacher and feeling really confident about that and having an amazing day on campus where you have an, a great conversation with your students or with one student where you feel like you, you really made a difference. 
and you drive home and you feel good about yourself. Like I did it. This is why I got into this profession is that conversation. And you walk in the door and your kids are there and you're like, Hey, pick that up, man. I do that. And they're like, no, like, wait a second. The kids over there think I'm the man. I can do no wrong over there. You guys walk all over me over here. Like what's up with that? It's really tough. And I've talked to a lot of other teacher parents about that. Like what, why do I get so frustrated with my kids? Whereas at work, when a kid tells me something, I'm like, Hey, it's cool. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Like, I'm, let me know what you're feeling. You know, my kids, I'm like, uh-uh, I said, no, no's no. Get in your room. I'm done. We're not going to talk about this anymore. It's funny. It's a learning experience. And then somebody should write a book about it. Teachers who are parents and have got them both figured out. I don't know. I hope you could, maybe you can make an audio book. <laughs> I'm screwing up and I'm reading as much as I can and I'm trying as much as I can. And, and you really learn about your temper and your emotion as a teacher and as a parent. So I don't know. Oh yeah. I imagine. And I just, I also love the fact that like, you know, we were able to talk about your little co-hosts or whatnot, because a lot of my listeners there, if they're not in college students with kids, they sure. are college students without kids. Does that make sense? I kind of have like a broad spectrum of audience of sure. listeners right now. So having them to also hear like the reality that like, you know, sometimes your kids will come into the interview and they just have to say hello. Yeah. In classes, there's, I mean, my daughter sits in my lap for my zero period class most of the time as I teach, because that's where she's going to be quiet. Um, and she's going to be relaxed because she likes spending the mornings with dad. That's normally where I'm at is I'm with her. And now she's like, so you're going to sit at the desk now and talk to some random people. We're still doing our mornings together, dude. So you better get comfortable. Um, that's just how it goes. There's, there's a lot. Oh, and, she's and definitely, mm-hmm. She's crazy. Uh, life with kids and, and wife and stuff, I, I wouldn't do it any other way. You know, there's just no other way to do it. It makes everything else worthwhile. And um, as a parent, you hope that your kids will be proud of the job that you do. You know, right now they're too young. I'm not that interesting, you know. And when they go to campus with me for stuff and kids are like, Mr. Walker, they're like, it's not that big of a deal, man. He's just my dad, you know. So it's funny how that works out. I only hope I can help him in school, you know, the way that other people help me. So we'll see how it goes. No, I'm sure. Now, before we officially, because we have to conclude this episode soon, unfortunately, I is there any? Sorry, monopolize your time. I'm sorry. No, this is this is more than enough. Like, besides, podcast episodes could go past an hour, so you're good. Now, I was going to ask before I officially close this episode. I did want to ask: Do you have a piece of advice you want to share? About what? You have to help me here. Anything, anything. It could be about. If you're struggling to find what your passion is, it could be about whether you think school is or isn't for you. It could be about my going crazy with a wife and kids. <laughs> I don't have any answers for that. I'm struggling with that one myself, but doing it happily. I don't know. I, in the last couple of months, I've really thought a lot about so many different things and, and come to have to face some of my own, you know, thoughts on race and ethnicity and gender and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, how I'm going to raise my daughter versus how I'm going to raise my son and what that all means. It's just a lot to take in. Um, and I understand how overwhelming that can be for a lot of people, myself included. Um, but I think there's just so much to be thankful for. And there's so much beauty in the lives that we have, no matter where they're at. And, and I know that our country's not in a great spot right now in a lot of ways, but you just got to pop your head out once in a while and look around at other spots and say, gosh, we still got it better. And I'm not saying that means settle. You know, I want, I want change just as much as the next person. I want it to get better and better and better. And we have no excuse to do it otherwise. But um, I think it is not on accident that we're going through all this stuff. And I'm not a huge religious person, but I do have faith that there's a, a, a bigger picture. Sometimes I, I just feel it's weird that coincidentally all these things have happened to me and you and other people in life. Um, you know, the last couple of months being at home has forced me to really spend time thinking about what matters to me, you know, my mental and physical health, my family, my profession, you know, my family, um, outside of my own home, you know, my extended family, what that means to me and why that matters. Um, and, am I really spending the time on them and with them, as I tell other people, all my family's first. Well, am I really investing that time in there? Um, so I don't know. I think that's the number one thing. And I'd love to see more with this, you know, civic education and um, ethnic studies and, and having kids be more educated on their, their background. I mean, having tried to 
talk about Latin American history in the past and having kids roll their eyes. I'm like, but this is your background. This is what you should be proud of. You know, you've been taught American Western Civ your entire life to believe that you're just this thing we stepped on or over, you know, through our history, whatever that means. Um, I don't know. I just think that there's so many things that we're in a great spot to change right now. And, and because I'm overly optimistic about everything, um, I feel like it's a great time to make good changes versus say it's all going to hell and it's all crap and, and we're headed in the wrong direction. I think we're in a great spot to pivot and go in the right direction, raising our kids the right way, teaching them the right things about love versus hate and, and about ethnicity differences and cultural differences. And, you know, I don't think about my kids as being mixed kids because I'm just, I don't think about it. I don't know why. Um, it's not, a, again, it's not a, I don't see color thing. I just don't think about it. I don't know why. I have to think about that more. But anyways, I want them to really be proud of their, their backgrounds on both sides and to, and to teach people about what that means. Um, and so for people that are struggling with finding what drives them, I think it's the why for you, like what really makes you get up in the morning and care and, and how can you make that a profession for you and what can you learn to be the best you possibly can because it's, it's an education for the rest of your life. Um, how can you find someone that's doing that job? You know, like I was thinking about leveling up, you know, like you're in your twenties right now and you're thinking about, I want to be here 10 years from now. Who's in that spot right now? Who's someone that you know, or someone that you know, that knows that person and say, yo, how can I be in your pocket, man? I just want to be around you when you're doing what you're doing to see how you did it and, and what you deal with on a day-to-day basis. And it's not to say you have to do it the same way, but like, why not get close? There's only so much you can learn in these books that you're being given in classes. The stuff that you're going to see on the ground is going to be so much more beneficial to you. So I think overall to sum it all up, it's just like be a good human, be willing to hear both sides, have good dialogue with people, be willing to to struggle with your own confirmational bias. I think that's the biggest thing that we really, the internet's a beautiful and a terrible thing because I can find sources for all my favorite opinions and, um, and I know the opposites are out there, but I never look for them, right? Cause it's so much easier not to have to grapple with the opposite opinion. I think it's time for us to really use the internet for the right reasons and to really have a great dialogue with anybody anywhere. Um, and to try to make this situation that we've been in this year in 2020, instead of it being the crappiest year ever, let's make it this amazing year. You know, this thing we can really make changes from. So I don't know, maybe I'm drinking up music. just be a good person. I think that's what it whittles down to honestly and caring about other people. And when my kids ask me, why does that person look like that? Or why do they sound like that? Or why do they dress like that? Those are the times I've got to be hyper-focused and give the best answer ever, you know, Um, because I talk so much as you are going to have evidence of right now. You know, my son's already asked me, what does Black Lives Matter mean? And I got to explain to a six-year-old what that means and not sugarcoat it because as a uh, text I saw the other day, if you think your kid's old enough or not old enough to handle racial relations, um, what about black kids that have to deal with it every single day? When are they old enough to have to deal with it? So we're trying not to shy away from that stuff at all and deal with it and deal with it head on and just tell them to love people and be kind to people. I don't sound so dumb and overused, but it, it's so simple. And I think it's so true. So anyways, no, yeah, definitely. Cause I keep rattling. No, but honestly, you're, and I just knew interviewing you was going to be such a great episode. I'm glad I trust my instincts. (laughs) All right, everyone. The opportunity I really do. I'm sure there's many other people out there that have much more interesting things to say and have gone through a lot more than I have and and can impart more wisdom. Um, I can be very visceral and that's why I run for so long, but I appreciate you giving me the space um, to talk about my experience at least. And I hope that it helps somebody. Um, and, and I'm so proud of you for this, what you've created here and what you're continuing to build. And I know your heart's in the right spot. So it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger if you keep following that gut of yours. So keep doing your thing, girl. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. So will, well, I, if you'd ever, by the way, actually, before I end, if any students need any advice from you, did you want to provide an email or anything? Yeah, I'm trying to think of which one I should give out. I'm bad at that um, because I don't think they want my professional one to go out there. Um, uh, so maybe it's the walkerkyle83 at gmail.com. That's a personal account. And oh, yeah, that's perfect. Especially because more people have Gmails nowadays. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. But yeah, I'm somebody reached out and helped me a long, long time ago. And so if I can do the same, I think it's only right. I have to pay it forward that way. So. 
happy to yeah. help if I can. No, of course. Hey, I mean, you're the one that told me you should start writing quotes. What did I do a year later? <laughs> All right. So this concludes the episode because we both talk so much. I'll talk to all of you soon. Bye.